This is section twenty nine of Mark Twain, a biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume one, part one, eighteen thirty five to eighteen sixty six. Chapter twenty nine. The end of piloting. It is curious, however, that Madame Caprell, with clairvoyant vision, should not have seen an important event then scarcely more than two months distant, the breaking out of the Civil War, with the closing of the river and the end of Mark Twain's career as a pilot. Perhaps these things were so near as to be this side the range of second sight. There had been plenty of war talk, but few of the pilots believed that war was really coming traveling that great commercial highway the river with intercourse both of north and south they did not believe that any political differences would be allowed to interfere with the nation's trade or would be settled otherwise than on the street corners in the halls of legislation and at the polls true several states including louisiana had declared the union a failure and seceded but the majority of opinions were not clear as to how far a state had rights in such a matter, or as to what the real meaning of secession might be. Comparatively few believed it meant war. Samuel Clemens had no such belief. His Madame Caprell letter bears date of February 6, 1861, yet contains no mention of war or of any special excitement in New Orleans, no forebodings as to national conditions such things came soon enough president lincoln was inaugurated on the fourth of march and six weeks later fort sumter was fired upon men began to speak out then and to take sides it was a momentous time in the association rooms there were pilots who would go with the union there were others who would go with the confederacy horace bixby was one of the former and in due time became chief of the union river service another pilot named montgomery samuel clemens had once steered for him declared for the south and later commanded the confederate mississippi fleet they were all good friends and their discussions though warm were not always acrimonious but they took sides a good many were not very clear as to their opinions living both north and south as they did they saw various phases of the question and divided their sympathies some were of one conviction one day and of another the next samuel clemens was of the less radical element he knew there was a good deal to be said for either cause furthermore he was not then bloodthirsty a pilot-house with its elevated position and transparency seemed a poor place to be in when fighting was going on i'll think about it he said i'm not very anxious to get up into a glass perch and be shot at by either side i'll go home and reflect on the matter he did not realize it but he had made his last trip as a pilot it is rather curious that his final brief notebook entry should begin with his future nom de plume a memorandum of soundings mark twain and should end with the words no lead he went up the river as a passenger on a steamer named the Uncle Sam. Zeb Leavenworth was one of the pilots, and Sam Clemens usually stood watch with him. They heard war talk all the way and saw preparations, but they were not molested, 
though at Memphis they barely escaped the blockade. At Cairo, Illinois, they saw soldiers drilling, troops later commanded by Grant. The Uncle Sam came steaming up toward St. Louis, those on board congratulating themselves on having come through unscathed. They were not quite through, though, however. Abreast of Jefferson Barracks, they suddenly heard the boom of a cannon, and saw a great whirl of smoke drifting in their direction. They did not realize that it was a signal, a thunderous halt, and kept straight on. Less than a minute later there was another boom, and a shell exploded directly in front of the pilot-house, breaking a lot of glass and destroying a good deal of the upper decoration. Zeb Leavenworth fell back into a corner with a yell. "'Good Lord Almighty, Sam!' he said. "'What do they mean by that?' Clemens stepped to the wheel and brought the boat around. "'I guess they want us to wait a minute, Zeb,' he said. They were examined and passed. It was the last steamboat to make the trip from New Orleans to St. Louis. Mark Twain's pilot days were over. He would have grieved had he known this fact. I loved the profession far better than any I have followed since, he long afterward declared, and I took a measureless pride in it. The dreamy, easy, romantic existence suited him exactly. A sovereign and an autocrat, the pilot's word was law. He wore his responsibilities as a crown. As long as he lived, Samuel Clemens would return to those old days with fondness and affection, and with regret that they were no more. End of chapter 29 The End of Piloting Read by John Greenman